0: Let's turn over to Ezekiel chapter 37, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 14. Once again, Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. And when you're there, say, "Amen." If you can't find it, say, "A will me, but I'll get it next time. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, so Ezekiel chapter 37, and if I had to give this a title, I would say, "Can these dry bones live?" Amen. Can these dry bones live? And starting in verse 1, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. Verse 10, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our par- for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring, into you, bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place in you your own place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, before we go into prayer, as I read this passage of Scripture, uh, one of the things that comes to mind is that it was the Lord that placed him into this desolate place. Amen? Not his own misfortune, not his own uh, direction in his life, but it was the Spirit of God himself that placed him into this, this valley of hopelessness. As he traveled around, you know, I like to to visualize things. I could just see him walking around, and everywhere he could see, there was nothing but skeletons, corpses, rotting flesh, the stench of dead bodies. And then God has the nerve to say, can these things come back to life? Amen? Now, similar to, I don't know about you, but I'm like uh, uh, Ezekiel. If if God asked me that question at at that point, and I saw all these things surrounding me, I might have had the same answer well lord you know if they can live you ask the question after all you're the creator of all life but we see here that god wasn't him wasn't really asking him whether or not these bones could live he's basically asking him based upon your perceptions and what i've placed within you can i use you as a vessel of righteousness to speak over the lives of those dead bones to animate them and bring them back to life amen So the question, can these dry bones live, is not um, relating to whether or not God can do anything, amen? Instead, that question is posed to you and I so that we can basically evaluate where we're at in terms of the people surrounding us. You see, each one of us are surrounded in a valley of dry bones as well, only we're walking around with the, the walking dead, amen? Your co-workers, your family members, you know, some cases boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, We're surrounded by dead people all the time. The only thing is, their hearts haven't stopped beating yet. Amen? But as long as they haven't accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they're one heartbeat away from, first the physical death, and then the spiritual death. So God is looking for a few good men and women that will hear his word, have his perceptions, and start to speak life over the lives of those people. Amen? Can these dry bones live? Let's go into a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we come before you right now thanking you and praise you once again, Father, for the opportunity to partake of your word, Lord. We know, Father, that your word is is spirit. Your word is life. Your word is anointed, Lord. And Father, regardless of how we may have perceived the circumstances surrounding us right now, Lord, no matter how bleak they may seem to be, no matter how many times we've tried things the right way, only to see them fail, Lord, we know, Father, that you have placed us into, into this time, into this season, Father, to be effective in your your kingdom so right now father we ask you to show us how to evaluate where we're at father show us father through your word how we can be effective witnesses father vessels of righteousness to impact the people around us lord and most of all father if we fall short of those things father let us see things in a new light that tomorrow that tonight no matter when we come across the lives of people father whether it's in person or over the phone father we would have a word seasoned with salt father that would help animate them and lead them to salvation deliverance father Hallelujah! And we praise and thank you, Father, for the victories, for the testimonies, for the salvations, and all the lives that are going to be turned around as you use us, Father, to minister to those that are lost, Father. And we thank and praise you, Father, for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So as we see here, once again, uh, Ezekiel was carried. You know, once again, he didn't trip into the, the Valley of Dry Bones. He didn't go wayward from the Lord, as, you know, as Jonah did but God literally took him and transported him to that place, placed him down into the midst of it. And as I looked at that, um, you'll see that a valley, according to definition, is a lowland or depressed area that is typically surrounded by hills or mountains. And a lot of times it has a body of water that is flowing through it. Amen? So in the same way, We may be surrounded, amen, you may be in a valley experience, you may be surrounded on every side by hills and mountains, which a lot of time we equate with obstacles, but even in the midst of those situations, God has a way of allowing replenishment and nourish to flow in your life, amen? So your valleys are not full of devastation. The 23rd Psalm, as we remind, it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of sin and death, of the shadow of death, amen, that I will fear no evil. See, God is always present no matter where we're at, amen? And he says that his rod and his staff comfort us. Now, as I said, the hand of the Lord, similar to Ezekiel, has placed a lot of us in the places where we're at right now, amen? It's It's no rhyme or reason, no happenstance that you're here in the Delaware Valley, that you're here in the year 2008 and that you're dealing with the various people and situations that you're dealing with on a, on, a, on a daily basis. And because of this though, sometimes as we pray and we try to witness to people effectively, when we don't see the results that we desire, we say, well, maybe I've missed the mark. Maybe I haven't heard God correctly. Or, may, or I'm wondering, why hasn't anything happened? Well, one of the things the Lord placed on my heart is that he has placed you there by divine assignment. He has done it by a divine appointment. And if he has truly placed you there, not only has he placed you there to be in the midst of it, but he's equipped you with everything that you need to bring forth fruit out of your circumstances. Amen? So the the problem isn't whether or not you're where God wants you to be, and the problem isn't even if anything's ever going to occur. The problem is whether you allow the fact that nothing has happened yet frustrate you into thinking that you're not able to minister effectively in the kingdom of God amen so God like I said has placed each one of us where he wants us to be he doesn't want us just to pass through without having any kind of impact amen he wants us to be open to to hear from him to get um, the insight that he has as we pray and intercede for people and then as he speaks to us and, and basically impels us to pray over their lives to do exactly what he's told us to do, amen? In other words, you can't allow yourself to be controlled by what you're seeing according to your five senses. Now, once again, God never sends you into a place where he hasn't either given you everything that you need to handle a situation, or secondly, if you don't have everything that you need to deal with a situation, Uh, God won't put you in a place where he won't send somebody else or something else into the scene that's going to resource you and enable you to do what he's called you to do, amen? God will not leave you hanging. You know, if you find that after an amount of time that you're totally unable to be effective, instead, you might have to evaluate whether your position positioned exactly where God has you to be, amen? Hallelujah. So, once, so as, once again, similar to Ezekiel, we're surrounded by things on every side that may seem bleak, but we have to walk through our circumstances without allowing the, the mishaps, the misfortunes, and the failures from the past to limit us or control our perceptions and make us believe that we're ineffective for the kingdom of God. Now, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus dealt with a similar circumstance. In verse 53, it says, It came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and his own house. And he did not many works there because of their unbelief. Amen. So in his own uh, childhood home, Jesus found that he couldn't be effective. It had nothing to do whatsoever with what the call of his life was. It had nothing to do with with his capabilities or the call that God had placed upon his life. Instead, it was due to the sin of familiarity that people said, we knew him from childhood. Who does he think he is coming in here to try to preach to us or to call himself some kind of, you know, uh, herald of the kingdom of God? Who does he think he is to speak to us when we were raised up with this guy? So because of this, they refused to accept the ministry that he had. Instead of him allowing himself to be defeated by that, however, we see that he moved on didn't allow himself to get discouraged, and he was totally effective everywhere he went besides that location, amen? Matter of fact, a lot of times it's in the places where we, we grew up or the places where we may have been involved with various people over the years that they are too familiar with us but we have to realize amen that in our passing we can continue to pray for those people intercede for those people even send people that might be able to minister to them effectively however we don't have to keep fighting and calling and scratching and begging and beating them over over the head with the bible instead just pray for them and then move to whatever venue that God has called you to to minister to the people that he's called you to minister to amen Another thing about that as well is that sometimes you may minister for a while and it seems like there is no fruit being born out of that situation, but then sooner or later, it may take months, years, or whenever, God will set the stage. He'll move all the things into place and all of a sudden, just like that, you'll be able to minister to that individual. You know, I prayed for years after I was saved for my sister to get saved, amen? And, you know, growing up, you know, I had my years of of drinking and partying and doing all these different things that were inappropriate in the sight of God, but um, one of the things that spoke the the highest in terms of my transition in the kingdom of God is when I would run into people that I hadn't seen in in years, you know, class reunions, uh, just running across somebody in a store, something like that, and they would basically say how my sister had talked about my relationship with God, amen? And then... Even in the midst of that situation, even though I hadn't led her to the Lord yet, years later, she had to have a surgical procedure where I was in the hospital with her, and at that point, that's when I was able to minister salvation. So imagine if I just wasted all that time beating her over her head. A lot of times, we could be more effective if we just pray, and we're there for the person in their time of need, instead of trying to push them along in our own time and season. Amen? Amen. So, as I said, Jesus Himself was smart enough to realize that there might be places where I cannot minister effectively. However, it doesn't negate the fact that I'm still effective, and God has a call and a purpose and a plan for my life. Now, um, as I said, God asked Ezekiel a question: Can these bones live? And one of the things that I evaluate in terms of the people I've tried to minister to is, you know, sometimes you could be surrounded by people that refuse to accept salvation you know our own personal set of skeletons and dry bones you're surrounded by them so long that you you almost want to throw in a towel you know you feel that you have no impact you know but the thing that the Lord placed upon my heart is before you can speak life into people can you see them saved amen can you visualize them getting saved, or are you trying to minister to them, but yet there's still this part inside of you that's saying they're not going to receive what I'm saying? So you can't bring anything to manifestation unless you could visualize it and speak it first. So before you can minister effectively and speak life into a situation, you have to believe that it can happen. In other words, you can't, have, you can't declare it dead in your own mind, in your own spirit, and then speak to, expect to speak over that situation and have something occur. Amen? you got to have the mindset that no matter what you've seen before, no matter how many times that they may have rejected you in the past, that God has an appointment with destiny between you and that person, and when the time occurs, he's going to bring things into fruition, and he's going to do it quickly. Amen? So, once again, before you minister to people, you have to have it set in your mind that this is not a dead situation. Luke chapter six forty five says, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. You know, I was just thinking about um, a comedy years ago. I guess I'm dating myself, but maybe I'm joined by a lot of people. Um, Red Fox, Sanford and son, amen? And you had, um, what was it, Aunt Esther? She would always come in, and your old moss back, your old fossil. She She used to say all these different names to Fred Sanford, and yet, had the nerve to wonder why the guy wouldn't go to church and wouldn't get saved. Well, it's it's your approach. It's your technique. It's the way you visualize the person. If you visualize somebody as nothing but a heathen, then how can you expect them to get saved when you're already thinking and speaking the negative thing over their life? Amen? Instead, you got to see them as a renewed vessel. Amen? you got to have that in your heart of hearts, in your mind's eye. And as you see that in them, even though they may fail you, and your expectations one time, ten times, a thousand times, you could still continue to pray, intercede, and believe God for them because you haven't allowed what they're doing to affect how you perceive them according to the mind of God. Amen? God does that with you and I every day. Amen? Even after salvation. But especially before salvation, God, you know, sending Jesus to die for us, he already visualized the millions and millions of people that were going to get saved before it actually occurred. So imagine if God did not visualize life in us before he sent his son to die for us. Amen? So on a small scale, God has, has in mind for us to have the same expectation over the lives of people that we're dealing with. That we still, no matter what they say, no matter how many times they reject us, we still have the mindset that I see you saved despite yourself, despite what you say, despite what you're doing right now. You know, I continue to see that, continue to speak that, and I continue to move and interact with you based upon the fact that God's word is going to manifest in your life at some point. And the spirit of God is going to take hold of your heart, and he's going to make, he's going to affect a change in your life that's going to bring you to the, th- to the throne of God as a child of God. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Death uh, in, in, in Proverbs 18, 20 and 21. Actually, let's do 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Just look at that. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What are you speaking over the people that you're surrounded with? You know, I've seen a lot of times over the years, you know, where, where, where people just have this negative attitude. They go into the place of work and say, I'm surrounded by a bunch of heathens. Well, you got to ask yourself, why are you year after year after year after year surrounded by a, m- a bunch of heathens? That has to make you go, at some point, something should spark in your mind and say, if I'm still surrounded by this, then what am I doing that hasn't impacted them? Is it quite possible that maybe I'm walking the same way and they can't see any difference between myself and them? Something's got to be wrong if you're continually, everywhere you go, not seeing any change in the lives of people. I work um, from home, and the majority of people that I deal with are, are through emails and through the telephone, but yet... Even in short conversations, you know, shortly after starting a pro- project, a lot of times people speak to me in a curse and say, oh, I'm sorry, I apologize, without a word coming out of my mouth. See, there's something about me as I interact with them that tells them that there's something wrong with using profanity in my presence. And it's the same thing. You see, there's an aura that I'm not trying to get into, those, you know, Transcendental Meditation, New East, uh, east, East Eastern Religion stuff, but there's an aura that surrounds us. It's the Spirit of God. I had a situation um, one time where I was doing some work at this business, and this guy came in um, doing, getting a repair over some equipment, and I was working on the other side of the store on his his PC. And um, he was talking to the owner, they were talking back and forth, and then finally he said, all right, I'm going to go in the back and I'm going to get your equipment. All of a sudden, now mind you, I never, change, I never turned around and, and did anything. The guy said, you must be a Christian. And all he saw was the back of my head. You see, there's, there's something inside of us that the world needs, that the world can sense, you know. And if we, we take more time to just walk in the love of Jesus Christ instead of going through the motions and trying to do our canned package way of ministering to people, we'll find that there will be a lot more results in terms of what we're doing. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, that, that spirit that emanates inside of you, it just radiates light. God says we, we, we have the spirit of God. We have the spirit of God inside of us. He says that you cannot hide the light that under a bushel. You know, it radiates. It, it, it makes people salivate. You know, it's the salt of the earth. It's the light of Christ. You know, I look at it. I have a wood-burning stove at home, and a lot of times people ask me, well, isn't that like a fireplace? I was like, no, nah, you missed it. I'm like, what do you mean? I said, because it radiates heat. And they say I, I still don't get it. I say, well, see, you have a fireplace, you, you light the wood, and you will find that it has a blast, a, a, a central area where the heat is, and the further you get away from it, the, the, you know, the farther you get away from sensing the heat. Now, if you have central heat, uh, you'll find that during the cycle where it's blowing, you'll, you'll feel the heat and it quickly dissipates until the next cycle comes around again. But with a wood-burning stove, once you get that thing kindling, it goes up to about 400, 500 degrees, you find that it radiates a heat that stays level and consistent all the time. And see, that's the way God wants each one of us to be. He doesn't want us to give out a blast of the gospel of Jesus Christ that knocks people off their feet or repels them. He doesn't want us to just give them a blast that quickly dissipates. And so one day we're on fire for God and the next, I can't quite feel the warmth of that Christian over there. Instead, he wants us to have an experience where we literally radiate the presence and the love and the warmth of Jesus Christ and it's consistent. Amen? Through thick and thin, through ups and downs, you know? I've had times, I had one time where I was getting kicked out of a job. No fault of my own. And um, they came in and basically said, we're going to pack up your stuff and you got to leave. Because what I didn't know is I got hired to a location where they were in the midst of a lawsuit between one consulting company and that corporation. Now, here I come. I come and get in the job, you know, thinking, hey, I'll be here for a while. And they say, you know, I'm grandfathered in to all the people getting kicked out from other situation. So I'm going out. All these people are cursing and swearing. I'm going to, get to, the, to the bar to get drunk and all this other stuff. And I'm sitting there with a smile on my face. And they're like, well, what is wrong with you? I said, I said, God going to take care of me. For me to be defeated, mad otherwise, would mean that I don't truly trust him at his word. God's going to take care of me. Three days later, I had a job that paid double. Amen? God has done that twice in my life. So I don't fret the, the calamities and the different things that, that, that occur inside of my life. Instead, you know, thick and thin, up and down, I try to radiate the warmth and the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's consistent all the time. And because of that, the words that emanate out of my mouth are conducive to producing more life. You know, I shared over the beacons, my sister-in-law contracted meningitis last year. And it it struck her quick and it struck her hard. She went from one day talking to me to the next thing you know, her speech was slurred. She couldn't remember words. The next thing you know, she's having seizures. Then she goes from that to paralyzed on her right side. We didn't know it until later, but she went blind. Um, and then as we were getting report after report after report after report, negative, negative, negative. Every time my brother-in-law called him, I would take what he said, reverse it, and said, well, that's what's expected. You know, you're feverish. You got all these things going on. You should have a seizure. So don't worry about that, man. Just speak the word of God over the situation. Today, she's out jogging. <laughs> you know, she's back in church ministering. She's back fully to normal in every aspect of her life, but that's because I refuse to hear the negative report of the doctor. I refuse to hear even the, the me- well-meaning but negative words from some saints, amen, that will call me up, oh, that sounds bad. Well, goody, then it's time for God to kick some diseases in the rear end, amen? See, see, see fights, and spiritual struggles are not for the, the linguistic cre- cre- um, Christians, amen? That's time for the warriors to step on the playing field, amen? And say, despite what I see, I'm going to continue to pronounce God's word over that situation, despite everything I see, amen?